Welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the lawfully wedded Matt. Hello. So, yeah. Yeah, it's been a big week. It has, yeah. Wedding, honeymoon, endgame. Battle of Winterfell. Yes, and now... I'm a changed man. Yeah, and and of course, the highlight, which we've not mentioned yet, watching Daleks in Manhattan and Evolution of the Daleks. Yeah. Not to knock those other momentous things, this is, surely must take the cake as, as the, the best of the bunch. Well, you, you've sort of cut me off there, because I was going to start yeah. by asking you a question. Yes. Okay, so this is our fourth Dalek adventure. Is it? Yeah, so I'm not be keeping obviously, count. Daleks in Manhattan being the title, I don't think that's yes. a giveaway. Nope. We started with Dalek. We did. Then we had Bad Wolf, Parting of the Ways. Yep. Then we had Army of Ghosts, Doomsday. Yes. My question to you, is this the worst Dalek adventure we've seen so far? Yes. By quite a distance, isn't mm, it? It's, well, okay, here's the thing. This story has a reputation for being quite shit. Mm-hmm. And I personally think that is unfair. I think there are a lot of good elements in it, and I'm hoping over the course of this episode I will highlight some of them. Though I am, I wouldn't be at all surprised if you turn around to me and say this is just a straight up bad episode. And mm. um, <laughs> I, I don't know if I would. I don't yeah. know. There's some stuff going on here that I, I think is is valid and, and good and interesting. There, but... I think there's one big concept. I like. Yeah. And we'll probably discuss that when we yeah. get there. But it's mired in such rubbish. There, there's a lot to get. There's a, there are hurdles that there's you have so to clear. There's so much needless <laughs> guff in this episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's hampered in a, in a few different ways. And, and I, the reception at the time was not great. And one of the things I wanted to mention was Helen Rayner, first woman to write for New Who. Mm-hmm. So some credit when credit's due. She'd actually she'd been working as a script editor prior to this, and was basically given the brief for this episode by RTD. Mm-hmm. Went away, penned these episodes, came back, and made something of a rookie error in that she then chose to after the episodes are dead, just have a quick pop on uh, Outpost Gallifrey, mm-hmm. which was a popular Doctor Who message board at the time, and saw. Uh, fans not just tearing the episodes to shreds, but also saying some very unpleasant things about her as an individual mm-hmm. um, in a way that, you know, we've seen... That's a pattern we've seen repeated time and time again um, where where female creators are involved. So it it is a notorious story in uh, the New Who canon for often all the wrong reasons. Um, and I think to the point that it's... The amount of ire uh, directed towards it is above and beyond what it actually mm. deserves. I, I don't think I'd put it in the category of like the worst episodes we've no. seen. This we've is, uh, seen worse for this sure. This is no Love and Monsters. It's no Fear Her. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah. I think one of the issues I have with this episode is, again, it, it's got one big plot point that we'll touch upon. Yeah. And I don't think it necessarily needed to be set in the 30s. I, I think yeah. I think there's too much going on. Yeah, that's that's a fair criticism. Um, there are certainly things that if I were to if if you were to say to me, let's cut this these two scripts down into a single part episode. I think you could do that and have mm. a very lean, interesting, engaging Dalek story. Um, and I wouldn't ditch the setting, actually. I love the setting. But then again, I love me a historical... I, I like the setting. I just yeah. don't think it's where I would set this story. Potentially, yeah. Um, I don't know. I think there was there was a one particular aspect of this setting that, that we'll get to that um, I think really justifies the decision to mm-hmm. do it. But um, we'll get there when we get there. Let's just, get, let's just right. dive in, shall we? So, this is from the 21st of April... 2007. Yeah. Nearly 12 years ago, exactly, from when we record this. God, we're so old. Yeah. And it's episode four of season three, as we've said. Yes. So it begins with some lovely big band music. It's big band music. That is Rhapsody in Blue by George Gershwin. Yep. Big band music to the layman. It's an orchestral 
work. Straight away, I <laughs> I thought we'd be seeing Captain Jack. This is the sort of music he liked, but he I mean, was probably in London getting bombed at the time. Maybe I think this is this slightly predates um, that. I, I think are we bet- I think we're between the wars here, right? Um, I can't. Oh, remember. we will be because it's yeah. Wall Street crash, Hooverville. Mm-hmm. So we meet Tallulah. Yep, three L's and an H. And Laszlo. Um, is it too soon to dis- discuss Tallulah, the performance of Tallulah? I, um, I, I'm guessing by you saying that we're in agreement. Well, in that it's not great. This is the thing. It it isn't great, but I love it. I absolutely love it because it. Okay, it is a broad performance, right? Mm-hmm. Tallulah. Um, for those who haven't seen the episode, well, first of all, why are you listening to this? But anyway, um, she's she's a chorus girl in a uh, West End uh, musical production, um, and she is. I don't th- expect Matt. You're particularly familiar with P.G. Woodhouse. Maybe you no. are. Um, writer wrote sort of farcical comedies. Um, started out in the round about the turn of uh, the 20th century and wrote right through into the 70s, but never really moved on time-wise from about the 1930s basically that was sort of his his stories all take place in this kind of nebulous 1920s 1930s sort of world um and like american chorus girl is one of the like pg woodhouse trope characters that would appear in various forms and so as a me as a massive woodhouse fan i kind of like that it's it's like someone's just taken that stock character and plonked her in a Doctor Who story. So yeah, she is very broad and like ticks all the, the things. She's sort of loud mouth and um, kind of not slow on the uptake. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. I just, I, 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 I genuinely like it for all its flaws. I think it's just the wrong side of too much. Yeah, me. yeah. Fair dues. So, Tallulah and Laszlo, Laszlo being her romantic partner yes. interest a stagehand prior yeah. to her going on stage yeah and just as they kiss a weird creature passes the door grunting yeah Laszlo chases it yeah I don't know if I would in that scenario if you're with your baby girl <laughs> and you know there's a <laughs> flawless accent there yeah. well done Matt Goyle is that how Goyle. they say girl in New York I think so in New yeah. York so yeah. he's with his baby Goyle yeah and uh, he just runs off to chase it could have been anything. Yeah. If something walked past the door, going, you know, yeah. you just assume it was the cleaner or... Or maybe, I mean, it's New York, maybe a big rat. Yeah. You certainly wouldn't expect it to be a pig man. <laughs> now, yeah, you... these, these are coming up in conversation more yeah. than I thought they were. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I mean, you, were, you complained that the title gave away the story, basically. Yeah, Darling, I did not Manhattan. see this coming. It, it, yeah, I mean... Credit where credit's due. You you got a surprise, presumably, when it turned out half this episode yeah. was actually pigmen in Manhattan. Yeah, but I thought it could be linked to Aliens in London, where we had faux pigmen yeah. made by the Slytherin. Would make sense, but no. No, it's Apparently, almost as if continuity just doesn't matter. Yeah, I do, and this is... Uh, if, if I were to cut anything from this story, pigmen would be the first to yeah. go. It's just a needless plot thread it is and f- the fact that it is basically a retread of something we've already seen in some form just a couple of series ago mm. i mean for a show that as i always say can go anywhere do anything tell any story pigmen we're already are up a lot, yeah we're they? already back to pigmen how has this happened pick any literally any other animal make them fucking chicken i don't men. know chicken men fine camel men <laughs> why yeah. not penguin yeah. men but then at the same time, I hate the Jadoon because they're just rhino men. I mean, I feel like you're doing the Jadoon a disservice there, but let's not rehash that. Right. So then, the titles run, and we first see the TARDIS as it arrives at the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. And Martha, well, at first the Doctor's trying to guesstimate the date yes. that they've landed. Martha finds a newspaper, says the exact date. And the headline reads, Hooverville Mystery. Yeah. Okay. 
Had you heard of Hooverville? I had in GCSE history. Ah, we Uh, never covered it. Wall Street Crash is like the one thing in GCSE history I was absolutely shit hot on. Yeah, no, I uh, we ne- we never did it in, in uh, obviously different syllabus or whatever. But uh, mm. um, and this is one of the things that I re- genuinely do like about this story. I think um, at its best, Doctor Who does have the potential to educate people, and this is a classic example of it. Prior to watching this story, I'd never heard of Hooverville and mm. that particular sort of wrinkle in the story of the Wall Street Crash. And it's very much one of the focuses of this story, and, and it's one of the things that I think it does particularly well as we'll we'll get to as as the episode goes on but yeah so yeah no i, I remember first time watching thing like oh, what on earth hooverville and then of course the doctor explains exactly what hooverville is yeah so it's basically shanty town in central park economic crash people couldn't afford their houses they moved to hooverville named after j edgar hoover who was president yeah. at the time yes presumably somewhat ironically Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not in the same sense as like the Hoover Dam is named yeah, after. Yeah. Um, and it's at this point we're introduced to Solomon. Yeah. And in my notes, I've just written seems to be in charge. Yeah. Right. Like, there's no rhyme or reason to it. He's just the boss. Well, I think it's. Um... I think it's just because he's an old noble man. He's I mean, the sort of much... person people would follow, isn't it? Exactly. You I can mean, understand it... why people gravitate to him. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and again, it's one of the things I like about this sort of plot thread is is the character of Solomon because it's, I mean, whether or not there is any historical accuracy to the fact that there would have been any kind of internal hierarchy within Hooverville, I've no idea. But mm. um, as you say, Solomon is just one of those kind of natural leader types, mm. and the ne- the name of the, you know, the character is a bit on the nose, yeah. <laughs> especially as I mean they play their hand early with you know because he resolves a dispute over bread, yeah, and he resolves that dispute by tearing the loaf of bread in half. Mm. So yeah, not the most subtle biblical illusion. But... See, whilst we're talking about characters' names, the next one I found quite interesting because we we then get introduced to Mister Diagoras. Oh yeah, and that's. Obviously, the name of your firstborn son. <laughs> it is, yes. Oh, lovely. Now I know where you got Diagoras. that inspiration from. Yeah. Little yeah. Diagoras. Yeah. And he is working on the Empire State Building. He's sort of in charge of it as a project. Yeah. And his masters from out of town uh-huh. are demanding that it be completed quicker. Now, this is one of those things where, like, they've. they've as I say, it's a tradition, right, that Dalek stories are usually insert thing here of the Daleks or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so they make the choice, let's just call it Daleks in Manhattan. But imagine for a second that they had chosen not to do that and call it literally anything else. Mm. That could have been a lovely little reveal, couldn't it? Mm. Uh, you know, especially the way they tease it within the episode by having the design on the uh, elevator doors with that yes. central circle um, that is aligned perfectly with the ice stalk of the Dalek. Yeah. So when the lift opens, it's a Dalek with yep. his two pigmen friend. Yeah. And they talk about the final experiment. Yeah. That's not ominous at all, is it? No, because we then immediately cut back to Solomon and the Doctor. And Solomon tells the Doctor people have been abducted from Hooverville. Yeah. So this is a little bit like Age of Steel, where people just lived in a tip and got abducted. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely similarities there. I mean, it's... Yeah, I I don't know whether you... Were you already, like, piecing it together by that point? I I could see where we would go in. Yeah. it's a bit simple. It's a bit paint by numbers. It is, isn't it? It, it? it does feel like a bit of a retread. It's not like in Doomsday where we get the revelation the Daleks are here and it's yeah. that brilliant shock. Yeah. Here, it's, it's just, just like, like, the episode's yeah. called Daleks in Manhattan. We're in Manhattan. Yeah. There's a creepy guy. He's got yeah. a boss who's not seen. Yeah. It's going to be you know, Daleks. It doesn't take Sherlock yeah. Holmes to solve that riddle. It does not. No. So, whilst in Hooverville... Mr. Diagoras appears to recruit people. He's looking for workers to help speed up the operation, building the Empire State Building. Yeah. And we're introduced to Frank. Oh, yes. Did, uh, you, did you do you recognise Frank? I, I don't... Uh, I didn't, obviously, at the time. On subsequent rewatches, uh, I think possibly 
I'd already like heard a podcast discussing this episode before, mm-hmm. uh, and it's revealed. Uh, but okay, for the purposes of, of listeners who who don't already know, played by Andrew Garfield, Andrew a- Garfield, aka the second uh, big budget film Spider Man. Yeah, arguably the worst of the of the cinematic Spider Men. Yeah, but still quite good. He wasn't the. It, to be fair to him, the issues of those films did not lie and with his performance. I think we needed him to get from Tobey Maguire to Tom Holland. You think? Tobey Maguire is like nerdy, awkward Spider-Man, not that funny. Yeah. And then we got Andrew Garfield, who was still sort of nerdy, but was wise-cracking and had bad yeah. attitude. Yeah. And then we've got the happy medium. Yeah. That's why I think I'll always have a special place in my heart for the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man. Yeah. I really like Tom Holland's portrayal. Oh, yeah. It, he he is the, already become the definitive Spider-Man yeah. at yeah. this point. But, but I, of all of them, I still probably prefer the animated 90s Spider-Man series. I've never revisited it. And I'm going to go out on a limb here yeah. because... Obviously, I know that Infinity War came out last year. Yeah. I think in the Spider Verse might have been my favourite film last year. Yeah, which I still I, I missed at the cinema, and I'm gutted about. It, I, I mean, it was just poor timing. Like you know, uh, Little Diagoras was being uh, born around yeah. that sort of time, so it just it didn't didn't really pan out. Um, but it, it's a wonderful film. Yeah, I cannot wait to see it. We're getting very sidetracked already, but anyway, yeah. So flipping Andrew Garfield is in this. Little baby face Andrew Garfield doing yeah. possibly the worst Southern American accent I have ever heard in my life. Better than mine. G- give us your Texan then. Go on. Partner. Um, okay, not <laughs> second worst. <laughs> um, well, Frank, along with the Doctor, Martha and Solomon, volunteer to work. And the work, was it clearing a blockage in the sewer? Yeah, they said that like a ceiling had collapsed or something. Yeah. So, so they yeah. go down in the sewer and they basically just talk for ages and it's not that important and it's not that interesting. But they do find like a green jellyfish brain thing. They do, don't they? And it, of... it takes them a long time to get there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and the doctor... Doctors it uh, by you know immediately like just stooping down, picking it up, poking it. Does he even yeah. lick it at one point? He sure. he licks a lot of stuff, uh, Tennant's Doctor, but I don't think he licks that. But he might as well have. And Martha is suitably disgusted that he's just fondling this alien blob. Mm. Um, a sort of glowing green, and it's yeah, like it's you know luminous. Yeah, it couldn't be more alien. If it tried. So, we then cut back to Diagoras. Yeah. He, he's jumping around scene to scene. Who's ordering men to fix a panel to the mass. And it replicates the exterior of the Dalek. It's got those sort yep. of hemispherical yep. shapes along it. Yeah. And then, I, I've just put in my notes here. Dalek appears for a chat. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, the Daleks are like friendly and it's just like hello mr diagoras what's going on how's, <laughs> it's not quite it's, how's your day it's tell me your troubles come it's on it's a wee bit more intense than that but yeah, it is basically like they haven't they have a share a look, tale with your old friend papa Dalek. <laughs> they certainly have what seems to be a fairly functional working relationship yeah like the the one part of this story that i was always kind of niggled to me is like diagoras I want to know what those initial meetings were like between Diagoras and the Daleks. At what point did he just get on board with the fact that there are these fucking alien robots? Because he's he's, him he's gone all in. Oh like, yeah, he's like, oh yes, love Daleks. These, love these Dalek guys. They know what yeah. the, what they what. And it's unclear. Like, what have they promised him? Yeah. What What is he getting out of their relationship at this stage? Yeah. Other than having just. These creepy robot creatures breathing down his neck, telling him what to do. It seems it seems peculiar because all of a sudden more Daleks appear. Yeah, three more exactly. Which um, it's almost the... as if we've seen these before. We certainly have. This is yeah. the cult of Scarrow. Yeah, yeah. 
So from the Army of Ghosts, Doomsday. Yeah. They're yeah. the free thinking. Like, yeah, sort of radical Daleks. Yeah. yeah. The hippie Daleks. Yeah, if you like. <laughs> yeah. The, you know, the blue sky thinkers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, we saw them emerging. Well, at least we saw one of them, emergency temporal shifting out of mm-hmm. uh, the uh, situation in Doomsday. Yeah. And they tell Mr. Diagoras his loyalty is going to be rewarded. Yeah. And they take him to a lab. Yeah. Nothing good ever happens in a lab in Doctor Who, does it? Not it's usually. Ne- it's never a good lab. I mean, I mean, in, there, in, classic, huge... in classic Doctor Who, um, John, John Pertwee, who was obviously... Uh, uh, the scientific advisor for unit he spent a lot of time in a lab like just doing good doctory lab stuff mm. um so but yeah in uh in modern who a scientific laboratory is usually a bad sign and when they get there there's loads of pigmen yeah they're just swarming about the place which is good because when we cut back to the doctor he hears a pig squeal in the tunnel yeah and discovers a little Little cheeky pigman. Yeah. So he goes to see basically what this pigman's deal is because he's like cowering. Yeah. But yeah. as he approaches, more pigmen appear. And we get my favourite part of any Doctor Who episode <laughs> where they just run around for a bit. Yeah, bit of running about. Yeah. So having run around for a little bit, Frank is caught by the pigmen yep. as they escape the sewers. R.I.P. Spiderman Frank. But. I think they expect us to find it a lot more upsetting than it actually is. Yeah, I mean, we haven't, we have not spent enough time no. with this character to no. give even. I, I mean, if it was Solomon, I might have cared. Yeah, because and... like we've already seen him being sort of, as you say, noble and and leadly and and, and smart. Frank is, he's just a yokel. Yeah, and I I understand he sort of represents innocence. In terms of like the American yeah. dream with him being young. Yeah, but and having moved all the way to the big city. And, yeah. yeah, but we don't get enough of an attachment to him. No. For him to matter. Not at all. But when they escape the sewers, they're in Tallulah's room. Yes. Slightly weird that there's just a big manhole cover in the middle of her dressing room. I've seen this episode maybe four or five times. Hmm. That thought has never occurred to me like, before. It, it's not even like a small drain put no, beneath the sink. It's, it's a, a full proper... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles New York City <laughs> manhole. manhole cover. But it's in the middle of a dressing room in a yeah. theatre. And it's raised up on the floor as well. It's like... That makes literally no sense. Yeah. And it's just like... Why would it be there? Consider that. Like, I understand that they're in a theatre and they'd probably need access to the drainage. Yeah, you know? but it would but be why out would it... back. Yeah. It would. It, they would probably be... be a separate building, but. <laughs> but no, there's just a stinky sewer. Yeah, the why... of... <laughs> and she's like one of the stars of the show, is it? Or yeah. at least like she's, like she's got like a main song. Like, or imagine like... if you were like. Dwayne the Rock Johnson, and you were going on the Graham Norton show, which is like the UK's biggest chat show, and just in the corner of the room is a shitty old sewer opening. You know, the Rock wouldn't stand for that. Of course he wouldn't, and rightly so. He's an A-lister. Yeah, he'd probably shut it with his bare hands. He's yeah. that strong. Yeah. So, anyway, they're in Tallulah's dressing room, and she explains that Laszlo has disappeared. Yeah. And... Solomon leaves the group at this part. He goes to like rouse Hooverville. Yeah, so he's he's freaked out. He he knows that this is like a threat. He's starting to piece together that this is the source of the the, the, yeah. the people going missing. Um, Tallulah, she says she she explains the whole situation with Laszlo, but she does also mention that like Laszlo would always romantic that he is. He would leave her a single rose on her dressing table uh, as like a, a sort of good luck gesture for her forthcoming performance. Um, And even though she's not seen Laszlo for a few days, the roses are still appearing, which obviously is a pretty clear indication that he's still out there in some form or other. I wonder what could have happened to him. Yeah. Yeah. So we then come back (laughs) to the Daleks, who claim they need Diagoras' flesh. Yep, not creepy. He seems strangely happy to oblige. 
with that request? Well, no, he's sort of, he's hesitant. He's not like, it's weird, he's like, he's not ruling it out. Hmm. But he's just a bit like, I'm going to maybe need some more details here. Yeah, but wouldn't you just object outright? I don't know. It's it, no. it, he's, he's kind of reacting like a man being, being offered anal sex for the first time. He's just like, it's just like, okay, I don't want to be hasty. Yeah. It's certainly not but, a thought that has occurred to me until this point. What you need is some sort of pro-con y- list. Yeah, you, you, I'm going to have to think this over and get back to you. So, <laughs> the reason for this is the Daleks say they must adapt to survive. Yeah. And they see their purity as Daleks, as their own ruin. So, their emotionless state that they've for so long heralded as a strength... They realise it's actually led to their ruin. They're mm-hmm. the four final Daleks yeah. that survive. And Dalek Sec begins to absorb Diagoras. Yes. In like... I don't know, because so well, far we've seen them absorb people using their appendage. Yeah, the plunger. Whereas here, the entire shell... Yeah, he just opens up the casing and, he's, and he sort of... I'm presuming Sek has done some sort of experimentation on himself to get him ready to this point because he his his mutant form, the sort of natural Dalek mutant form, uh, we say mutant because you know that's what they are—they're like mutated carnets. Yeah, um, and it sort of envelops uh, Mister Diagoras, pu- pulls him into the shell. Mm-hmm. The, sh- the casing then closes. And then he just sort of rocks around and steams a bit like a like a kettle. Yes. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. And back with the doctor, he deduces the brain thing they found earlier is artificial. It's genetically modified. Yeah. To celebrate that fact, Tallulah sings for a bit. Yeah, we get we get Tallulah's big show stopping song. Um because it we've had it, she's and she's invited Martha to like watch from the side of That's the right. stage yeah i think we've uh, we've glossed over the i do like the little scene i think prior to that where it's just Martha and Tallulah having a little heart to heart like talking about blokes and uh when Martha sort of indicates that the doctor isn't into her as much as she's into him and Tallulah's response is Ah, uh, I should have known. Into musical theatre, is he? What a waste! Yeah, <laughs> which I—that's I, a good, you, that's a solid gag, isn't it? Do you think it? that's a dig at RTD? I don't, I, I doubt it. I mean, <laughs> at, the, at the end of the day, he approved every script that was yeah, shot. He'd so. have probably loved that, probably. <laughs> so, as we've said, Martha's at one side of the stage, and she notices like an ominous figure at the other. Yeah. So she begins to try and stealth away across the stage. Yeah, I mean, only to fall in people's way and yeah. sort of ruin the number. I mean, I guess I guess she's a doctor. She probably doesn't have that much theatrical experience, but you could just go around the back, Martha. Yep. Don't go across the stage during a production, or if you must, go as close to the yeah. back as possible. Yeah. You don't have to get in people's way. It's but- and it's not just, it's not like it's quite a still play. We're talking about a song and dance number with about 30 dancers on stage. Mm. Just, you so know, when anything else. She does cross the stage. Yeah. We realise the ominous figure is a pig man. Yeah. Not just any old pig man. Yeah. If you hadn't pieced it together, it's Laszlo. Yeah. So, and, and yeah. His pig man maker. <laughs> Let's just talk about the look of the pigman. Yeah. So the the the, the, the typical pigman, it's just bloke from the neck down, pig from the neck up. Yes. But with Laszlo's, it's obviously the experiment's gone a bit wrong. Yeah. So we've so we've got this like half human, half pig face. But it's it, is it? He's just got weird ears and weird jaw. And he, and he's got the, the snout as well. He's got a pig snout. It's but, not great. No, it's it's it looks very stuck on. It's it's yeah. not great prosthetics in this episode in general, and a, a further sign that maybe pigmen was an idea that could have been left in yeah. an earlier draft. Do you think there's someone who sits around the writing table that just fucking loves pigmen, <laughs> and every so often <laughs> they just have to give in to like placate him? 
Uh, so like once in season one, he's just like pigman, yeah. <laughs> and they're and like, they, yeah, they sure. got away with it in series yeah. two, and now he's back. Yeah, right. Just you wait until series seven. <laughs> yeah, which is all yeah. pigman. Oh yeah, they, they're the main main villains of, of that uh, series. I arc. can't wait. Yeah. Um, so whilst all this is going on, Doctor has scanned the brain. Yeah. And realizes it's from Scarrow. Yeah. And which. T- have th- have they actually mentioned Scarrow by name up until this point in, in the show? I think only in as much as we are the cult of Scarrow. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, I don't no, think it's that, yeah. like explained in any depth. No, but that's a, at least it's not sort of coming out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. So the pigmen take Martha to the sewers. Yeah, and the Doctor follows with Tallulah, and we're reunited with Frank. Yeah, who has sort of. Allied himself with the pigmen. Well, not allied. He's been corralled. He's it, uh, basically he was stolen by the pigmen, and is like, and he's. But, I, oh, has he been brainwashed at this point? He might have possibly. Yeah, I can't but remember. The the way it's such a blur. The way they story. made it look when he was captured. Yeah, it was like something from The Walking Dead. If that was The Walking Dead, you'd see them ripping his guts out and yeah. all sorts. Yeah. His arms clawing at him. Yeah, but it turns out. All that was for naught, and they didn't actually harm him. Yeah, no, because at the end of the day, they're just grabbing the people to uh, have as stock. Yes. Um, either to create more pigmen, or for other purposes that we discover later in the episode. So, the Doctor hides in an alcove as a Dalek passes. Yeah. Which he then begins to follow, and reaches a lab where he can witness the final experiment. Yes. So... Pigman Laszlo exposes himself to Tallulah. Yeah. In what should be a heart-rendering scene, but yeah. is just not. Yeah. Right. I ge- and I guess I guess the idea with Tallulah and Laszlo, it's it's like a sort of a Phantom of the Opera kind of thing yeah. they're going for. But a the Phantom of the Opera has been done. It's called the Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. We've got that. That's in the bag. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and also, it's. It's a pig man. It's yeah. hard to get on board with that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Once they're in the lab witnessing the experiment, they see the Daleks selecting people based on intelligence. Yes. Some people get quite upset at being called stupid. <laughs> yeah. Martha is worried that'll happen to her, but obviously being a trainee doctor, she's selected as intelligent. Yep. And we find that Dalek Sec is entering the final stage of his evolution. And as his shell opens, we're exposed to the human Dalek. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about uh, this image that presumably will be burned onto your retinas for the rest of time? Right. Let, let's start at the bottom. Because yeah. the first thing we see, considering this is the saviour of the Dalek race, yeah. he's still wearing his 1930s clothes. So he's yeah. got spats on. Yeah. <laughs> and a sharp sort of pinstripe suit. Yeah. Which is a lot drier than I would have expected. Yeah. Given that what Daleks he's been through. Mucusy yeah, I, I would have expected a bit more moisture on that suit. And the one the one thing I cannot look past, right? This is so the human Dalek has little tendrils around the outside of its head. Yeah. It's got a cycloptic eye in the middle of its forehead. Yeah. But the one thing I can't overlook is its weird tiny mouth. (laughs) Like, it's as though its lips are constantly pursed. (laughs) And when it, like, when he speaks, he has a weird, whispery little voice. Yeah. And his mouth never fully opens. (laughs) And even when he shouts, like, Doctor, it's yeah. it's it's weird, isn't it? it? It's so like distracting because <laughs> the normal Daleks yeah. don't talk like no, that. No, no, and 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 the whole time those little tendril, those little fronds are just sort of twitching. Yeah, in a really obviously robotic, like they've got one programmed movement, and they'll just like go in a little pattern. Yeah, and it oh, and uh, overall. I can't say I'm a fan. No, it's swing. It's design. a swing and a miss, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's a, and it's a big, hefty swing. Yeah. So credit to them. We've never seen anything like that in a Dalek story before. Um, but 
oh, in execution, it just doesn't work. And yeah, as you're saying, Eric, Eric Lawrence's performance, um, when he becomes this sort of hybrid Diagoras Dalek sec, um, I'm guessing, I, I don't know for a fact, the, the weird sort of pauses is his attempt to kind of mimic the staccato nature of how the Daleks speak. Mm. Obviously, it doesn't have the modulation because that comes from the shell and they're not he's not in the shell. So, like, canonically, that's the right choice to make even though it makes him sound a lot less threatening. Mm. But I wonder whether also part of it is to do with the fact that the way the prosthetics are kind of restricting his facial yeah. movement. Uh, if if that's the case, change the prosthetics. Yeah. I guess it would have been... The thing is, if something like that is designed, it wheels are in motion. And, and a programme like this, they don't have the budget and the time to rethink a major thing like that. So I think he just had to work with what he was given. Um, but yeah, it, it does hamper his performance. And what could have been an interesting nuanced villain within a Dalek story, which is not something we see very often, it is a bit hamstrung by the fact that he's just sort of weird and fey and uh, all the rest of it. Yeah. Okay, so here we move into the second of these two episodes. We're now in Evolution of the Daleks. Yep. Okay, so this is from the 28th of April 2007, episode 5, season 3. Yep. Okay, and we begin, we have a brief recap, and we're still in the room with the human Dalek sec. Yeah. Orders some of the humans to become like him. Yeah. I, I, he does refer to it as an evolution as well, which yes. as a science teacher, does that rankle you? No, that's not how evolution works. Yeah. <laughs> this is selective breeding. Yeah. Is, and gene- genetic modification. No, it's, it, well, it's, they don't modify any genes. I guess they don't with... with um, so selective yeah. breeding yeah. is where two species breed to create a new yeah. offspring based on desired characteristics. Yeah. Genetic modification involves the changing yeah. of genes. Which I guess they do do to... Would they... Is that how they create the pigmen? That that would be a yeah. case, yeah. Yeah. If they were inserting pig genes. I think that's... Humans. I'm pretty sure that's what they were doing because yeah. I think when they were dividing up the... The, the smarty pants and, and the thickos, the thickos were getting the pig treatment. That's right. And, um, yeah, we've yet to establish what the plan is with... Well, in fact, we, we're establishing it now, aren't we? That basically they're going to have... Well, it's not quite the same fate, is it? As uh, old Dalek second. No, uh, no. Because obviously, you know... So which, someone... Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think it's alluded to here, but later in the episode, those that are deemed... To become like him. Yeah. They're basically brainwashed to a Dalek mentality. Yeah. Still in the human shell, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. Yeah, they are. Yeah. So. I've just realised as well. I'm sorry, because, again, sorry, listeners, this is probably annoying for you, but um, my current situation being what it is, I just find it impossible to make notes when I'm watching these episodes at the moment. And So I'm backtracking quite a bit here, but we have, I think, lost over one of my favourite scenes um, before... Dalek sex trans, uh, transformation where two of the other Daleks uh, of the Cult of Scaro are in a corridor and have, they're having like a furtive conversation about how they feel about Dalek sex plan. Yes. And one of them says, you know, like, do you have doubts? And you actually see the Dalek like rotate his <laughs> eye stalk to check if anyone else is yeah. listening before admitting yes that they do um, and I do think on one hand that's quite funny but also I think it sets up an interesting tension that we have here in yes. that there's maybe a bit of dissent in the ranks and, and they, they're, they're maybe thinking that Dalek Sex kind of got off the rails a bit mm. here he's certainly gone out on a limb in terms of when you think about the Daleks they're all about purity and the supremacy of the Dalek race and yet here he is intermingling with humans in all kinds of weird ways. Mm. Anyway. So, having ordered people to become like him... Yes. We hear music, and the Doctor appears just to say hello. Yeah. And they have a conversation where the Daleks explain they arrived here after Doomsday when they do their temporal shift. Yeah. So, the next bit, I just want to ask, because I'm 
not aware of this. Yeah. The Doctor uses the sonic screwdriver on like a little old radio. Little old Bakelite radio, yeah. That makes a noise yeah. at such a frequency it pains the Daleks. Yeah. Uh, have we ever seen sound as an enemy of the Daleks before? I don't know. I, I can't think specifically. I don't think we've ever seen it used no. as a weapon. But I think it's, it's a similar principle that it, you know, it can be used as a weapon against humans. So, same principle. Excellent. Yeah. So now we're in the second episode. We get this episode scene where they run around for a bit. Yeah. And where, where, where are they running around? I forget. Just away is from it, the Daleks. Yeah. Out of the is lab, it just in the sewers the again? Sewers. Yeah. Okay. Got, got to get the most out of those sewer sets. Yeah. So whilst all this is going on in the Dalek lab, pigmen begin to attack Hooverville. Yeah. And it's an absolute pigman massacre. I've yeah. Read in my book, <laughs> they don't fare very well. Yeah. But that's until a Dalek flies in and just blows Hooverville apart. Yeah, yeah, really starts just blasting it to pieces. Um, and the Doctor and Martha are, are there, and the Doctor sort of intervenes by sort of making his presence known, doesn't he? Yeah, but that's not before. Is that not? Yeah. The Daleks kill Solomon. He tries to reason with them. Does that not happen? No, I, I thought the way it worked was. The Doctor stops and, and says, and, and then Solomon tries to intervene and sort of does his impassioned speech. So that yeah, the the way I've got it is yeah. Solomon tries to reason with them, right? But they have no compassion. Yeah, and then the Doctor appears and says and they should kill yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Sack says, says no. no. So yeah, so to so break that scene down a bit, Solomon's speech. Is fantastic, mm. and I think the actor does a great job. And it's all—I think it's made all the more poignant by the fact that you, as a viewer of Doctor Who, know from the first moment that he is dead. Yeah, that the—that these words, beautiful, passionate, well-reasoned, noble words, will fall on dark. Darks have ears. Mm. If they do, they're deaf because. Yeah. He is dead. He's. There is no reasoning with them. The Doctor knows this. And I'm pretty certain yeah. every time somebody's tried to stand up to a Dalek, they've died. Yeah. Well, it's a bit of an echo as well. Not just a, It's not a Dalek episode, but uh, the Cyberman episode where the Prime Minister of in the Parallel Earth has a similar sort of speech where he's standing up to one of the Cybermen. Mm. And it's just like, you know, what if we resist? What if I say no? What if I refuse the upgrade? And then it's just like, well, you're going to die, mate, obviously. <laughs> and then that happens. Um, but yeah, I think it's more powerful in this one. I, re- I really like that scene. And I think if you take it out of context of some of the other uh, less good elements, mm. it, it, it's a reminder that hey, Helen Rayner can write and that there is some good stuff going on here. So but yeah. the Doctor sacrifices himself, says, I'll go with the Daleks yeah. if you spare the rest of Hooverville. Yeah. On his way past, gives Martha the psychic paper. Yeah. And yes, and, and it is interesting as well that like the Dalek is like, brilliant, I get to murder the Doctor. I'm going to be like a hero with the Daleks. And then Dalek sec overrides that command. Um, yeah, interesting stuff. Um, from See. there, sec then shows the Doctor... All the Dalek experiments. Yeah, and it's a weird kind of relationship that, that he's striking up here, mm. isn't it? Where it's like... like the, almost... The yeah. Doctor understands that by allowing them to become more human, they become less of a threat. Yes, they become less Dalek. Yeah. Um, and I always find it interesting when you have these moments, uh, and we've seen it with good characters and bad characters um, where the Doctor has these kind of meeting of minds type scenes where he'll come into contact with some other person who recognises the Doctor's intellect and and sort of puts an arm around and is like yes, we men of science, we men of learning, we you know, we see how the world turns when others don't I mean, these are, I'm not quoting exactly but that's the kind of, that's the underpinning of that scene and it's so weird that that is happening with a half-human, half-Dalek hybrid. Yeah. Um, and again, it's it's an interesting sort of tension and something we've never seen in a Dalek story before. So, 
part of his conversation with the doctor. Yeah. He explains that there's a solar flare upcoming. Yeah. That he's going to use to trap the energy on the Empire State Building. So I think he's going to use it as like a lightning rod to trap yeah. this energy. Yeah. Again, um, I don't. You let. Let's have another uh, dose of science teacher corner here. Correct me if I'm wrong. Solar flares and lightning storms are different things. Yes. 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 I, I mean, this episode does not seem to treat them as different I, things. I'm assuming the solar flare could cause a change in like atmospheric, atmospheric pressure. Pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. And that would cause it. But Let, let's that's go with not. That. Yeah, but that's not what they're saying. They're saying they're going to be harnessing the power of the solar flare. And then what they're actually doing is making a giant lightning conductor yeah. on top of the empire. Because we do it, see later that yeah. when it strikes the building, it is lightning. It's, it's, yes, it's a bolt of lightning yeah. that's being conducted through the the spire. Of the, and it's like, it's really consciously that as well, because it's like, it's almost, uh, we're, not, we're not there yet, but it's like it's playing on like Frankenstein tropes and everything. And it, it's, it's lightning, but... What, so why in the script did they not just say there is a big lightning See, storm coming uh, and what, we're going to one of my students from at it. school pointed out a good point to me yeah. this week around Avengers Endgame. Oh yeah. Okay. So is this spoilers for Endgame? Not necessarily. Okay. Right. Finish this sentence for me. Thor is the god of <laughs> thunder. So why are all his powers lightning based? Because thund- Thund- thunder's the noise. Yeah, but thunder is is kind of like part part and parcel with lightning. It's not. It's well, you can't but have one without the other. Can you, you can. Can you have lightning without thunder? If you're really close to a lightning strike, you wouldn't hear thunder. Can you have thunder without lightning? Well, yeah, because thunder's just thunder is the noise of lightning. Oh, thunder's just noise. No. When, I mean, yes, we can describe other noises as thunderous, but what we're doing there is comparing it to the sound of thunder, mm. which is specifically if the Thor sound was of lightning. If the god of thunder, he'd just make loud noises. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, he does that as well. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so the Daleks explain they're going to become more human. They understand humans are the great survivors yeah. in the universe. Whilst he's explaining this, Martha, Frank and Tallulah are looking at plans of the Empire State Building to see what that can tell them about the plan. So they're yeah. unaware of this plan. Um, so they're looking, they notice that the plans have changed in the last day or so. So they're looking yeah. for a difference in these yeah. plans. Yeah, and Tallulah, is this the moment where Tallulah goes goes out on the platform of the, as yet, not quite finished Empire State, has a look at this beautiful, beautiful night's cityscape yeah. of New York and says perhaps the cheesiest line in an already extremely cheesy episode. Ah, New York City. If aliens had to come somewhere, no wonder they came here. And it's, oh. I think your accents are better than mine. <laughs> It's, it's not great though, no. Um, no. but so yeah. the doctor begins to help Sek in his plan, but the Daleks begin to overrule him and say that Sek is an enemy of the Daleks. Yeah. So whilst they're arguing between themselves, yeah. the Doctor and Laszlo leave together in the lift. So the da- the Daleks mistake Laszlo for just an ordinary pigman. Yeah. But he's not entirely under their command, so he helps the Doctor. To escape. Yeah. So the Dalek tells Sek, you told us that we should imagine, and we have imagined your irrelevance. That's a great oh, line. That's a great line. Yeah. So I, I, how do you feel about this whole sort of trouble in the ranks subplot? Because it's, again, it's one of the things that I love about this episode. I, I like it because it, it's been explained. Yeah canonically in the past that these are free thinking Daleks. Yeah. So it's Daleks behaving as they shouldn't, but we know why they're not. Yeah. And I like that. Yeah, and it's it I think it really helps because so often with Dalek stories, they're just they essentially at some point become cannon fodder. They're just they're these fa- they are unless they're different colours, you cannot tell them apart. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I mean, the only way we can tell Sek apart from the others is the fact that he had black casing rather than the, the gold, which is kind of the standard for the RTD era. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, having this opportunity to be like, oh, no, these are different Daleks who have actual disagreements with one another. It's something we haven't really seen in the modern series up until this point, I don't think. Because even in uh, Doomsday, they were all on the same page. Mm. There were four of them, you know, they were different Daleks, but they they all had a shared common goal. So, so yeah. The, the next bit I want to ask you about. Yeah. Whether this is a continuation from Classic Who. Yeah. Dalekinium? Yes. First referenced in the Dalek Invasion of Earth, which is a William Hartnell story. So going all the way back to the early 60s. Okay, uh, so yeah. that that has been established. Yeah, right. I just didn't know if that was like a strange. No, I mean it, it sounds if, if, made up. Yeah, that's the thing. I think if anything sounds a little bit sort of clunky and B movie esque about that, then you know there's a good chance that the reason is it's actually a reference to something from the <laughs> the mid sixties. So yeah, right. So the pig slaves. Then go in the lift to stop the Doctor from removing the Dalekinian. Yes. Because oh, and have that... we established at this point as well that it's not just that the plates are made of the same stuff as that. It, it literally is. They've just they sacrificed parts of their own yes. casing yeah. uh, for these uh, plates that are going to be uh, used as part of the conductor. Yeah. And the way we know Dalekinian is being used yeah. is Martha finally solves. The, the plans. The plans yeah. and sees that they're being added. Yes. So, the Doctor drops his sonic screwdriver whilst removing them. Yeah, it's and like howling winds and rain, isn't it? It's It doesn't look fun up there on no. the spire. So, yeah. we, we, he's no way of removing the Dalekinium. Yeah. So, Martha and Frank make a lightning trap to channel the electricity. Yeah. So, the building will still be hit by electricity, but it will follow a different path to what the Daleks are expecting. Well, specifically, it's because they know that there's a little bunch of pigmen coming up in the lift, don't they? Yeah. So, so they're channeling it towards the lift. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, all the pigmen die, yeah. blasted by lightning. And nobody makes the, a reference to it, but I'm assuming then that that floor would have just been filled with the aroma of sizzling bacon. Yeah, it smell like frazzles. <laughs> yeah. <It'd be> lovely. <laughs> but, once the pigmen have all died, the Dalek army awakes and again we've talked about this earlier they're just simply men who think like daleks they're emotionless almost robotic men yeah because these these sort of the um these were the other the ones that weren't turned into pig slaves they'd been hollowed out effectively just uh empty human shells uh up on slabs raised to the ceiling and this is where i say you've got the sort of frankenstein parallels because you know they're all under white sheets and and they just get hit by this bolt of lightning and then they're flooded with this Dalek uh, what's the word for it? Is it the essence of Dalek, isn't it? Yeah. Because it's, like, it's not necessarily, as you say, a genetic process. But it, rather than having things yeah. added, rather than having the Dalek way added. It's yeah. more like they've had their humanity removed. Yeah. Well, I think that had been done previously. Mm. So they were like empty vessels and then they were being like filled with Dalekness. So Martha then wakes the Doctor up. The Doctor was knocked unconscious. He was oh, yes, because the lightning yeah. rod when it was struck. Well, he was. He made a last. Because he realised he couldn't remove the last plate. So he makes this seemingly quite odd decision rather than to get out of the way. But to cling on, on, and so you see, you see the bolt of electricity. The let's call it what it is—a lightning strike. We're told it's a solar flare. It's definitely not a solar flare. Um, That kind of jolts through his body. uh, Classic bit of tenant of extreme overacting. Yeah, (laughs) and uh, so because the lightning hit him first, he thinks he can use that. He thinks he can manipulate that. Yeah. And this alerts the Daleks to his presence. Yeah. Okay. He lets them know he's there so they can each approach. Yeah. So Sek tries to reason with the Daleks, but he's killed. 
Well, yes, so we're now back at the theatre somehow, right. aren't we? Yes. Uh, See, I don't I... know how we get from the, the Empire State to the theatre here. Do you know? Unless I... the theatre is in... It's definitely not. I don't know. It's definitely like a couple of blocks away. That's established earlier in the episode. But for some reason, they're back in the theatre for the, for the denouement. Um, but and I... you've got... I do quite like the image that you have. You've got the Daleks on stage. You've got, well, two of the three... Uh, remaining pure Daleks of the cult of Scarrow. I forget which of the three it is. We've got we've got Faye, Jast, and Khan. Don't know which ones. Um, but um, actually, maybe I do. But anyway, um, and they are holding Dalek Sec in chain somehow. <laughs> Presumably, they got the pigmented because I don't know how a Dalek is going to chain anything with those plungers. Um, but yeah, they've got, they've got him in chains between them as a sort of prisoner, basically. But and... I, I don't really understand. If you've gone to such lengths to create this human-Dalek yeah. hybrid, yeah. and even though it seems to be flawed and you know yeah. it's not following the procedure you yeah. hoped it would, is the best course of action then to just kill it? If you're a Dalek, yes. But... These are more liberal thinking. Yes, but the whole point is that they are still, in essence, Daleks. And the the vision of their creator was one of total supremacy. Dalek, Dalek, their programming is, Dalek is the peak Mm. of existence. All other forms of existence are inferior, and the only way to deal with that is to wipe them out. That's why what Dalek sex experiment is uh, is is such blasphemy to them, and they kind of like they they kind of let it play out. But then when they saw it in reality, like oh no, he has just he's not he's not managed to keep the Dalek purity. the The human side is corrupting him. It's making him want to talk with the doctor rather than just killing him outright and stuff like that. So they, they realized that this is kind of, um, an impurity basically. And so, yeah, they make the decision that a Dalek is going to make in that thing. They're faced with, with an, an impure specimen. They will exterminate it. So once he's exterminated, yeah. the good news is they've got their Dalek human army yeah. that can't possibly fail. Yeah. And they order them to shoot the doctor. And they are armed with, I'm pretty sure, they're like Dalek guns, but bolted on somehow to like sort of 1940s period appropriate. Yeah, it's like a Chicago typewriter, but just with a whisk stuck in (laughs) the end. Yeah. So they don't shoot the Doctor. And this is where you really have to suspend your understanding. Yeah. Because the lightning strike gave the Dalek humans... Time Lord DNA. Yeah. So when the energy passed into them, yeah, because it had gone through the doctor, it picked up his DNA. Yeah. It's not how it works, by yeah. the way, no. but we'll go with it. So the Daleks and yeah. the Dalek humans fight, and the Daleks initiate a self destruct on the Dalek humans. Yeah. Just wipe them all out. Failed experiment. Start again. And then I think. <laughs> Dalek survives. Dalek Khan. Dalek Khan, yeah. And goes one-on-one with the Doctor. Yeah. Which should be like an epic conclusion. Yeah. But he just uses... Emergency Temple Shift again. Yeah. Yeah. Just gets out of dodge. Yeah. So no doubt he's turning up again. Like, we know we're going to see him again. Do we, though? Well, it's Doctor Who. Can you really rely on it? He's the only Dalek, right? And we're in season three. (laughs) Three, We've got ten more to go the most iconic villains, they're going to come back and the only way they can come back is because of him. He's coming back, so... All right. Oh, fine, we'll just say a fond farewell to Dalek Khan. Yeah. Never to be seen again. <laughs> um, yeah, and and then are we back, you know, back to the TARDIS, isn't it? Jobs are good and basically... Well, before oh, that, oh, yeah, we get Tallulah and we got this Lazlo. confusing scene where yeah. Laszlo dies, and yeah. we haven't touched on this, but basically the pigmen have a really short half-life. Oh, yes, just, yeah, because... They uh, just all die. Yeah. Uh, I think, is it a couple of days or weeks? Yeah, because given? turns out that human and pig DNA isn't a great match. Yeah. 
So he dies, but then the doctor saves him. Yeah. Would you want to be saved if you were still a pigman? I thought when he saved him, he was going to revert him back to human. It's it's kind of um, Ursula all over again, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) He's shit at saving people. Yeah, I mean, in if it if we if if I was a pig man in today's world where there are some reasonably well qualified plastic surgeons and someone could probably make an effort to to tone down my pig features, I'd prefer it to actual death. Yeah, but like, it is weird that he's just like, all right. There you go. You're still yeah. a pig man, but you might you might live yeah. another Be ten years. Be grateful for small mercy. <laughs> yeah, tatty bye. And then the ending. I, I really love this dynamic. Yeah. Martha sort of looks longingly at the doctor and yeah. says, "Oh well, that was nice. Maybe there's someone out there for everyone." Yeah. And the doctor just goes, "Maybe." <laughs> Get in the TARDIS. We're off. <laughs> it's brutal, isn't it? Yeah. It is absolutely brutal. Like. So yeah, so you're you're genuinely enjoying the sort. Of I, I just love the fact love that every time she says something yeah. nice, I think last uh, episode he genuinely just goes nah. Yeah. Here he just goes oh no maybe yeah up on board we're off home. <laughs> and it's hard, isn't it? Because you can't read whether he's just being oblivious or whether he's actually being cruel. Yeah. Either, Either way, way, he's it's a really good. <laughs> Yeah, but there you so, go. So I, I think the idea of changing the Daleks, updating yeah. them to a modern audience, yeah. is a really good one. Yeah, because they are absurd. Yeah, but it just didn't work. It didn't quite land. It didn't stick the landing. Like, if I were to make my sort of list of things that I genuinely do love about it, Hooverville and Solomon, that whole plot line, great. I really like it, and I think it's it's a strong bit of educational Doctor Who, which I always like to see. Um, I, I do like the central. I, I like the. I think the Cult of Scaro are really interesting because mm. you get that sort of infighting and those dynamics and things we've not seen Daleks do before. That's all cool. And I, I th- also we haven't talked much about Martha. She doesn't get a great deal to do in this story, but I just like Martha as a character. Like. She's, I like that she's just quietly competent. See, I'm still not warming to her. Yeah, yeah. That's fair. Like, I don't think we've seen enough from her at this point. Like, the writers almost don't really know what to do with her, apart from the whole kind of mooning after the Doctor angle, which, mm. you know, it's, yeah, you know, it's all right for what it is, but, like, I, I would still like to see more from her. Um, so I may be bringing my bias of having... No, knowing Martha's entire story, and I may be bringing that to to my watching mm. of this here. Um, and I think some of the dialogue's fun. I think Tallulah's an interesting, fun character. I could do without the Laszlo thing. I could do without the Pigmen. I just too much it's going on. it's just yeah. It's one of those episodes where it's like there were some good ideas here, but the end result is so mixed and so muddled that. You really have to fight to enjoy the good bits. Mm. And that's a real shame. I, I just think less would be more. Yeah. I think I agree. streamline some yeah. of the pigman crap. I think there's a good story to yeah. be told in Hooverville, and like yeah. I say, I'm just not certain it should have been this, this story. One. Yeah, fair dues. And and the other thing that I wanted to mention, I think that one of the things that we really does hamstring this episode is the fact that it's too soon for another Dalek story. Yeah. It's uh, it's really... Why are we four and five episodes away from, from the, the last, last one? It's, yeah. If this had come, if we'd gone like a whole series without seeing the Cold of Scar, and then they're coming back like start yeah. of series four but or that, something that, like that. That's what we'd had between Parting of the Ways and Doomsday. Yeah. They, they just weren't a thing. Yes. Between those yeah, two. Yeah, and then it felt like, oh, Daleks are back. Yeah. That's cool. But here it's just like, ah, uh, Daleks yeah, are back. Yeah, they've lost a bit of their sort of fearfulness. Yeah, yeah. And it's a shame. It's a shame. But hey ho, who knows? Might enjoy the next one a bit more. Um, mm. Next episode, we will be discussing the Lazarus experiment. Mm. Um, and until then, thank you very much for listening, everyone. And cheerio. Bye now.
listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.